Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Beat, part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Thank you for joining us. My name is Chris Torres. I'm your host today, joined by my co-host, Mike Carter. We got a good show for you today, folks. We are joined by Justin Toscano, Braves beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're going to be talking all things Braves. We're we'll talking all things spring training, right? We Spring training is underway. We finally got a lot more news coming in, so we are going to break this down with Justin. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? Doing well, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. All right, so let's start with spring training. Tell me, what are your what's the overall vibe right now with Brave Spring Training? Any any early observations that are really sticking out to you so far? Yeah, well, I think it's exciting. I mean, anytime you have a team that has as many positions locked down as they do, you're in a good spot. It's a sign of a healthy organization. Now, I know the farm system rankings-wise, isn't where it's been in previous seasons, but there still are a couple intriguing guys there. I mean, observation-wise, I think right now, you know, shortstop is seems to be Von Grissom's job to lose. Um, if he falls flat on his face, they have Orlando Arcea, but they seem to be giving Grissom a lot of run there. And then in terms of that fifth spot, you had Ian Anderson, Mike Soroka, Bryce Elder, now obviously Soroka dealing with a hammy right now, but yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I think the vibe is, you know, guys are excited. A lot of guys reported early. Almost all of them reported significantly early. And so, yeah, they were just itching for the games to start. And, and I think there's, you know, some renewed energy in Brave Spring training after the upset in Philly last October. You know, a lot of those guys were itching to get going and, and get back at it. And they think they're a lot better than how it ended in October. For sure. Justin, you kind of mentioned a little bit about the rotation, and that was one of the questions that I had. What's the latest update on Soroka and Kyle Wright? You also mentioned Bryce Elder and Ian Anderson. How do you see those guys fit into this mix? Right, yeah. So uh, Kyle Wright's supposed to throw a bullpen tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. But he's feeling well. Everything's going well. Just a bit behind schedule because of the cortisone injection. Mike Soroka, we haven't heard much on him. He's still dealing with hamstring soreness that he reported when he arrived in camp almost two weeks ago. So it doesn't seem like there's been a ton of progress on that front quite yet. Um, And it doesn't seem like he's close to getting in games. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think honestly, I think Ian Anderson and Bryce Elder both, you know, if Mike Soroka isn't healthy, both have a shot at that fifth spot. Now, Ian Anderson might have the inside track because of his track record, but Bryce Elder pitched really well for them last year. I mean, and as much as, but as much as we might focus on that battle, the Braves used 11 starters last year. So there obviously are often spots for a lot of people because they like to give guys extra days. They kind of like to, yeah, pick, kind of piggyback the rotation like that to give guys, you know, an extra day of rest here or there. So whoever the odd man out is in that competition, will find himself on the roster and have opportunities this year. That that seems pretty certain just because you always need, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 starting pitchers mm-hmm. a year. The Braves have some depth. They like their depth. 
and, and those guys are going to get opportunities. I feel like this is meant to be. Justin, I am on the clock right now in my latest draft. I'm in the 50th round, okay? So I'm at pick 746. This goes deep, man. So you're talking about that depth that the Braves have, and I got someone queued up. Now you got to tell me if this is the right pick. Jared Jared Schuster, do you think there's a chance that he gets time in the rotation this season? Man, I I think so because of what I just mentioned. Who I mean, who are the other picks, though? Well, actually, Orlando Arce is there, so that's someone I'm considering because last round, man, he could be the starting shortstop for a period of time. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, especially if there's an injury. Got you know, knock on wood, God willing, that that doesn't happen to Grissom or anybody else on the roster. I mean, Schuster is an upside play because he could be that guy. Maybe he gets an opportunity, but he's probably like a couple injuries away. So Orlando Arcia might be the better bet if you're looking to go safer at that round. But if you don't, if you don't need to, and you just go the upside play, maybe it's Jared Schuster. I just don't know if the upside will present itself. You know, if he's going to have the opportunity. But I mean, he's close, so I, you know, I could see it. And you know, I didn't. Truth be told, I didn't see Michael Harrison, Spencer Strider finishing one and two. Mm-hmm. last spring training either all right we're going with schuster and i'll tell you why i took kyle Wright much earlier so i'm gonna kind of hedge a little bit just in case things aren't quite right with right and get schuster because you know you never know like you said yeah. you went, nobody had spencer strider last year so yeah uh, it you, looks like the braves you know like him a little bit and he could get some opportunity here uh, i want to ask you about the shortstop position what would you say, sounds like Vaughn Grissom right now is the front runner. What would you say are the odds that he ends up as the everyday shortstop to begin the year? Yeah, uh, to me, probably 80-20. And the 20 being okay. because you never know how somebody's going to perform in spring games or if he falls flat in his face or like, God willing, this doesn't happen, but if he gets injured. But I just think he seems to have the inside track for that job. And they've been very clear about anointing him, not giving it to him, not, you know, but making him earn it, in other words. But I think I think Vaughn Grissom ideally is probably the best case scenario there mm-hmm. um, with the upside with the bat if he plays solid, playable defense. And I think they know, you know, that's the best case scenario for them. And I also do wonder if Orlando Arcia, if you play, you know, if you start him or if he gets close to everyday playing time, how much does his bat get exposed eventually. Um, Vaughn Grissom's got great bat-to-ball skills. He's a smart base runner. So if he really plays just solid defense, I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of time there. I I think it's pretty likely right now, just based on what we're seeing. But you just, I know, you never know. It's hard to predict. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Justin, here's one that I'm dying to know. And I've been thinking about this for weeks because I have no life, really, besides work and driving uh, my kid to, kids around. But the catching situation, you know, they gave up a lot to get Sean Murphy, and obviously he's going to be the guy, but they also have Travis Darnell. How do you see that playing time situation shaking out, and how are both of these guys going to get at bats? Yeah, so, I mean, I think they're primarily going to use the DH spot to get those guys at bats. I mean, I think if there's six games in a week, I would say Murphy will start four or five of them. You don't give up that much for a guy like that, especially with the rule changes looming, to then, you know, put it you know split time with them 50 50 i mean i think you know and they obviously with the extension you saw them give they they view him as their catcher of the future defense is his calling card he's terrific you guys know this but i i would see it shaking out as the days that 
he's there. I mean, I, I would think Darno would DH if Marcelo Zuna lighting the world on fire. Marcelo Zuna profiles is a perfect DH if mm-hmm. he's Marcelo Zuna from 2020 or prior. Um, if he's not, Travis Darno is going to get a lot of that playing time at DH. And yeah, you hope you can get Travis Darno some at bats because he had a wonderful offensive season last year. But that's, and I, I think, you know, also, even if Murphy's young and they sign him to an extension and they love him, he's still going to need time. Nobody catches 140 games a year anymore. He's still going to need time. So they'll find ways to spell him. But I think it's going to be mostly Murphy. I don't, I, I do, I would think that would be mostly Murphy, then it would be close to 50 50. And I think Darno will see a lot of time at DH. Okay. Well, another area that, there's a little bit of uncertainty is left field, right? Yeah. So it looks like Eddie Rosario is probably like a strong slide, strong side platoon play. And then Jordan Luplo is kind of the short side. What are your predictions for left field? Do you think there's anybody else that could fit into the mix there? Like a Sam Hilliard, Kevin Pilar, Eli White. Like, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Pilar could because he's the exact type of player that I think has thrived. Anthopolis era in Atlanta in terms of the veteran who is, you know, really smart. He plays good defense, runs the base as well, could give you a little bit at the plate, but he's really good for the clubhouse. I think Kevin Pillar fits the mold of what they've had in Atlanta over the last five years when they've won the division. So I think he could make an impact. Luplo is one to watch because I think he could get everyday playing time eventually. And if Eddie Rosario doesn't hit, and I think that's how the Braves might view it as that, hey, if Eddie Rosario, a bat first guy, isn't hitting a ton or isn't, you know, setting the world on fire, term I just used for Ozuna, then with a stacked lineup at the other eight spots, you, you can afford to go with defense in mm-hmm. left field. And then you say, okay, if you go with one of the defensive options, whether it be Luplo, Eli White, Kevin Pillar, if you go at Hilliard, if you go with one of those guys, you probably have the best outfield defense in baseball between Acuna, Harris, and that left fielder. So there's some op, you know, there are options there, some versatility for them. But I honestly think, I mean, if Eddie Rosario has a decent year at the plate, he'll probably see most of that time and be there, be the strong side of a balloon platoon. If he doesn't, I really, really think they could go with one of those defensive guys and somebody could snag the lion's share of playing time. Do you see any potential for Sam Hilliard? Us fantasy players have kind of been dreaming on him for years now. Part of the appeal was that he was in cores, but also that power speed combo. And he's just looks like a freak athlete. Do you see any scenario? Because I found it interesting how the Braves, like right after the World Series, made it a priority to go out and trade him. So that was like that kind of piqued my interest. Like, do they see something that they could fix in him? And, you know, make him kind of tap into that potential. What are your thoughts on Hilliard? Yeah, no, he's simply the baseball world calls it toolsy, right? And you hear it yep. so mm-hmm. much that he's certainly right. The power speed combo and the terrific arm. Those things are certainly really, really attractive from a standpoint. If you're, you know, if you're the front office. And that's what I thought, too, is, hey, when they targeted him so early on for outfield depth, knowing what the situation was going to be knowing that they would probably have a group of outfielders competing if Eddie Rosario slipped up or wasn't playing as well to his track record. Hilliard's one of those guys. I think that, yeah, honestly, they probably saw something in him that they could unlock. Uh, and 
when you look at his tools, those are things you really can't teach. They're more natural. And so I, I think there's a shot if he plays well. We haven't seen a ton of him this spring. You know, obviously we're only three games in. But I, I just think an athlete like that, like those tools are always going to play. I think it's just getting the most out of them. And the Braves have, you know, since Alex has been there, have shown an ability to unlock potential in guys. The development side, even on the major league staff, has been pretty remarkable. So I think there's a chance for him. But it is a pretty crowded situation, so he's going to have to stand out. Excellent. Justin, question about, you know, you mentioned a little bit about the uh, the farm system and the depth of the farm system. Who's one guy that's at the in the minor league level right now that you think could have an impact on this roster that's kind of flying under the radar right now? Man, uh, an impact on this roster. I mean, they're so, shoot. Uh, I mean, other than... Schuster, I think it's Schuster, honestly. But if I had to pick right. one, I'd say I'd say uh, I'd say Blake Burkhalter, who's like uh, he's a right-handed pitcher, and he's from Auburn, drafted last year. But he's a college guy, so he's a little further along, obviously maturity-wise. Um, he's going to be going into his first full season of pro ball. Um, I don't know how much he'll impact the roster, but that would be my dark horse, or you know, somebody like Dylan Dodd. I just it's hard to say. Schuster would be probably my pick, my realistic pick, just because they don't, the Braves have so many bullpen options that the other two I mentioned are like starters too, and they're behind Schuster, but the Braves have bullpen options. Uh, they don't really have a position player now after they traded Justin Henry Malloy for Joe Jimenez in December. They don't really have a position player that sticks out a ton down there. So I would say Jared Schuster. Okay. All right. I like that answer. My 50th round pick. <laughs> you'll get some of the winnings, Justin. You'll, you'll get another <laughs> cut here. There you uh, go. That comes through. But uh, one last question I want to ask you quickly on the bullpen. I think we're pretty confident, right, that Iglesias is the guy there in the closer role. If he were to go down, do you think it's A.J. Minter stepping right into that closer role? Or do you see another guy, maybe a Jimenez or someone else? Or do they just share? Yeah, I honestly think um, without Iggy, you mean stepping into the setup role? No, I'm sorry. Stepping into the closer role. Do you think they would be like, do the Braves just want someone to be their designated closer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll be, I see that as Rysel Iglesias. I mean, they'll say, you know, they've got options, pitch late in games, and it's situation, this and that. Iggy will be, I would assume, the ninth inning guy most time, you know, basically every time he's available if he's pitching well. So I would say that they prefer that, especially with the way he ended last year. I think it was, what, no runs or one run over 16 and two-thirds or whatever it was after the trade. He pitched so well. I think that Minter and Jimenez are much better setup men with, you know, the stuff. And Iggy's, you know, he Iglesias is, you know, your closer there because he's got such good stuff and he's a, he's a power righty. Who's done it? He's a proven closer. Yeah. And if he were to go down, do you think it would be Minter that steps in? Uh, I think I think it'd be Menez because they really prioritize another power righty okay. in that bullpen. So I think it'd be Jimenez who was about to be Detroit's closer until the trade. I mean, I think it could be either one of them, really. It's a toss up. Mm-hmm. But I think that the Braves like the profile of kind of the power Jimenez shows. OK. All right. We will leave it there, Justin. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Enjoy spring training. Can you please tell our listeners where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work? Yeah, yeah. So my Twitter is Justin C. Toscano, and then my work will be at AJC.com. We have, you know, I cover the team on a daily basis, so stories there. And then I also co-host the Braves Report podcast on Apple, Spotify, kind of wherever you get your podcasts. So, yeah, that's where I'm out and about. All right. Well, Justin does awesome work. Love your podcast, by the way. I started listening to that recently, and you guys do a great job over there. So absolutely, go check him out. Thank you again, and we are going to take a quick break. Welcome back to our fantasy follow-up segment. We are going to be looking at the Braves from a fantasy perspective and talking a little bit about our interview with Justin Toscano. So, Mike, I just want to ask you, as we normally do, any any quick takeaways? And while you think about that, the one thing that really jumped out to me during the interview, I think the obvious one is, is Vaughn Grissom, right? It sounded like Justin mm-hmm. was pretty positive that he is going to be the starting shortstop there. But something else that really jumped out to me was how he spoke about the the bullpen situation, and he identified Joe Jimenez as kind of the handcuff in the event that anything happened to Rysel Iglesias. So any thoughts on that? You being the bullpen guy, tell me what you think about about that and, and not A.J. Minter, which many, I think, fantasy gamers kind of assume it would be. Yeah, I think, you know, I think just quickly, it's it's a tough thing to think about because I think Iglesias is to me is a top five closer this year, just because mm-hmm. you know that he's probably going to get 30 saves on a good team. And he's historically been very good. They got him for this when they traded and when they still had Kenley Jansen, they knew this was coming. They knew they were going to lose Kenley and they have a Glacius to replace him. Justin obviously knows more about Braves than I do and probably knows more about baseball than I do. But I think what happens is, they love Minter in that stopper role. They really like to use him in a place where he can come in at any time from the sixth on and put out a rally. He's probably going to get some save opportunities anyway. And I think that what happens in these situations is that the guy who's got the best arm in the bullpen doesn't always end up being the closer. And we can probably give 10 or 12 different instances right now off the top of our heads, which we won't, it, where that case is to be true. So it makes sense to me in a way that Jimenez might be the handcuff and it might be the guy that if something should happen to Rizal Iglesias or I need the day off, it wouldn't surprise me to see Jimenez get a couple of save chances. I think you're going to start seeing that in more bullpens too, right? I think you're going to start seeing, we've already have seen that, that saves are getting spread around a little bit. One guy that we did not mention that, you know, is kind of laying in the weeds a little bit is Kirby Yates. And I'm not saying that he can be the closer, but he's also a guy that's got a lot of experience. And we know how much managers really love guys that have that closing experience. He's going to make the team and in some type of a middle relief role. It would not surprise me at all to see him get back into a higher leverage role if he's healthy. Now, granted, he is 35 years old, and, and that's something to think about, too. But long answer to a short question yeah, I could see him as being the guy if Glacius gets hurt just because they want to keep Matzik in that familiar stopper role. Kirby Yates. Wow. I, you know, I, I'll i be honest, super into fantasy baseball, but had no idea Kirby Yates was still in the league. I see here that he has been drafted uh, six times in the past few weeks in these NFBC mm-hmm. DCs. 
So, hey, maybe some people are are thinking the same. And I did like how he pointed out, talked a little bit about my boy, Jared Schuster, who mm-hmm. actually pitched, I believe, two scoreless innings today in spring training. So just real quickly, we didn't mention in the interview, but I, he's not on the 40 man, but you never know. I mean, the Braves just they just churn out pitching, man, like they know what they're doing. So if there's a guy there who has a shot at some innings, I'm interested, you know, so I think a guy to watch uh, in shallower leagues, but someone, you know, maybe is like I did in the 50th round, a guy to take a shot on. Um, so we're going to keep it moving here. But uh, one thing that we wanted to do today, which is a little different, we usually go through like our our ADP analysis and look at players in each team and decide, are, are we in or out on players at their current ADP? I wanted to look at some of these players on the Braves from a different point of view and talk about their range of outcomes, because I, I do think that as a fantasy community, we we kind of miss the mark on that. I think we get overly focused on projections and we don't spend enough time talking about the upside and the downside of each individual player. And for some players, you know, they're they're considered safe, right? Like we can feel pretty confident that they're going to be somewhat around their projection. There are some players and, and a couple who we'll get into now who their projection could differ very significantly, right? Like the upside and the downside are much farther apart. So I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Michael Harris. So mm-hmm. I guess let's start out, you know, we, we try to be positive here. So let's start out with the the best scenario, right? Like, what does that look like for Michael Harris? And let's just point out that he's going right now. He's a second round pick. Mm-hmm. So you got to pay up for him coming off of that awesome rookie season. So lay out for me, what's the best case scenario for Michael Harris, Mike? Well, he's a stud. I mean, I think the best case scenario is that he plays 150 games for the Braves playing center field, giving them elite defense. And I think the upside there is, you know, 25-25, maybe 30-25 if he really is able to perform. And I think that that would be the upside. I mean, Steamer has him as with 20 home runs, 76 RBIs, 73 runs scored, and 21 stolen bases and hitting 274. That's that's really, really good, obviously. I think that that would be the upside. And I think that's high, high upside. I mean, I haven't seen anybody project him to hit more than 21 or 22 home runs but i think that that upside could be there yeah so he he basically could be a guy going in the top five overall next year if if things break right right like that's the absolute best case scenario now i know that you're a little bit more leaning towards this scenario maybe not fully but tell me about the downside yeah taking michael harris well, the downside to me is that if you're taking him in the second round and you don't get 2020 out of him, that it might be a wasted pick. If he should somehow hit 15 home runs and give you 15 stolen bases and you took him in the second round that he hits 260, I think you'll be really disappointed. And this is the part of the game I think that is really difficult for me as a fantasy player is I love projections. We all love projections but we very rarely look at what the downside of a projection would be. And if we're looking at a second round outfield talent, there are other guys that I think are safer bets than him. I Personally, I would rather probably take a chance Cedric Mullins or Adolis Garcia later than try to take Michael Harris in the second round. But that's me. And that's probably why I don't win big leagues is because I don't take that kind of risk. 
I think Harris is a terrific player. I think his glove is going to have him in the lineup more often than not. I don't know that the Braves have a lot of great other options to be able to play center. So I think he's going to get a pretty wide swath to be able to play and to prove that he's the guy. But I am concerned about that. I think if I'm taking him in the second round, I want that upside. I want that high pick. I don't know that he's going to give that to you this year. He's 21 years old. There's a, a chance that he could regress. I mean, he had 297 last year. He might not hit that again. If he hits 30 points lower than that and doesn't give you the counting stats, what have you really gotten in the second round? Yeah, I'm very conflicted on him. It's tough. I'm just trying to think of like from a playing time scenario. So right now, early spring training lineups are indicating he's probably going to hit five or six, right? So that's a little bit, that's definitely a ding to his value because he was up more towards the top of the lineup last year. You know, I guess this is one thing we have to always think about with left-handed hitters. I don't think because of Michael Harris's defense, he's ever going to get platooned, but I I could see a scenario where if they're facing some tough left-handers, he gets bumped down even further to the bottom of the lineup. So I don't know. I just, I don't feel great about him at that price. The upside is tantalizing, you know, but like you said, there could be there could be some regression. I think there will be regression regardless. And then you've seen guys, someone actually posted, put out a question about who, which Braves player people are least interested in. And I think it was Michael Harris that won that poll. Uh, and when one person said, well, he could be the second coming of Jason Hayward, you know, that awesome rookie mm-hmm. season, and then just nothing afterward. I think that's a stretch. Yeah. But, you know, it's something we always have to consider because the league does adjust, right? Like yeah, now they're going to have an sure. off season to look at him and and kind of and we know that his plate discipline isn't great to begin with, right? So are there well, some? That, right? Like you said, the yeah. downside when we think about that, I mean, if he if he hits two seventy five and hits fifteen home runs and fifteen steals, and you took him in the second round, you basically drafted Andrew Benintendi. Oh God! Right. <laughs> I think that's like the first percentile outcome, but yeah, I guess it is in the range of outcomes. I mean, I think, I think that Benintendi is going to play a lot for the Sox. He's going to be at second. He he could hit 15 and 15 easily. And if Harris gave you that in the second round and you got that in Benintendi in the 25th round, you know? All right. So you, you're getting no Michael Harris this year. That's pretty obvious. Not, not at that price. No. Uh -uh. All right. So I want to transition to another one of these young Braves players guy that we mentioned during the interview was Vaughn Grissom you know and it sounds like again Vaughn Grissom is the early favorite to be the everyday shortstop and he's a guy that has a very wide range of outcomes right Mm -hmm. if he makes a team out of camp and he holds on to that starting role all season man that final line should look good obviously he's got to actually play up to his projection but in like 400 something plate appearances he's going to be close to 15, 15 guys. So if he's going, you know, for close to 600 plate appearances, we may be looking at a 2020 guy that you're getting around pick 170, which is going to be a huge boon for people who took the chance on him. But a few things we've got to consider, even if he gets the, the job out of spring training, we do have to at least consider the possibility that if he goes through a stretch where either offensively or defensively, He's not playing that well. He goes through a little bit of a slump. The Braves really have no, I don't think they have any qualms about sending him down for a little bit and letting him, you know, get a little more polish in the minor leagues. 
You know, they have no reason. I mean, he's a, he's 21 and 22. You know, they, they could send him down and no one would bat an eye. And they have Orlando Arcia there, who he already lost his job to once last season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know right now the people who are pro Vaughn Grissom are very happy with the early returns and that he's been playing at shortstop every day. But you, before you kind of jump the gun, just consider like that is well within the range of outcomes. And in that scenario, I don't love him at that pick at where he's going because you're going to have a guy who you're not getting any production from for, you know, who knows, but it could be a month or two. Mm-hmm. If you do take him, I would recommend back yourself up with Orlando Arcia. That's kind of the, I think, the, the smart way to play it. But still, I'm just not really. I don't think I'm interested in him at that price. So quickly, Mike, are you in or out on Vaughn Grissom? I think I'm out very much for the reasons that you just mentioned, Chris. I mean, I think the range of outcomes for him to me isn't that enticing in terms of what his upper level would seem to be. Performed well last year. I don't know about the power. I mean, I think his high water mark in the minor leagues, granted, not a ton of that bats was 11. I know the guys can develop power as they get there, but he's also a real candidate to lose playing time. I think they like Garcia too, not even just not even if Grissom struggles. I think Garcia is going to play. And so you're looking at somebody that might cut into his at bats, even if he is the everyday shortstop, he might only get 450 at bats. I to me, I think there's other guys that I'd rather maybe take a risk on than that. I certainly wouldn't want Grissom as my starting shortstop on my fantasy team. It's just, to me, it's too fraught with peril. Right. And, you know, he has this really nice projection, but he is a rookie, right? Or, you know, close to one. So it's, we can't always go by that. The error bar with rookies is always wider. So Mm -hmm. another thing to consider, even if he gets the job and, and, and keeps it like, there's just a lot of unknowns. So it's funny. I was having a conversation. I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine offline about the helium on rookies lately. You know, I think a lot of people are expressing confidence in drafting rookies and seeing what guys like Julio Rodriguez have done. And I don't know that that's the measuring stick that we should be going by. I mean, he's he's got a pretty unique skill set that's pretty freakish. You know, so I, I think game is prone to adjustments as you said and prone to having guys struggle and if he struggles they could very well easily send him down for a period of time to get him a little bit more seasoning and the other thing is like you said before too he's not really played shortstop so you know we we have to kind of see well I mean he has but I mean not at the level that they're going to be expecting him he's he's stepping into a really big role on a really really good team and it might be too big this isn't the nationals right (laughs) like right yeah, yeah so Okay, so moving on, I'm just going to give you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Oh, boy. I'm going to give you five Braves players that we haven't really talked too much about. All I want you to tell me, are you in or out on them at their cost? And give me one sentence as to why. Okay, Okay. so we're going to start with Ronald Acuna. So he's a guy, I mean, he's going at like the first or second pick right now. So you in or out on Ronald Acuna? I'm out. And I will not be taking any shares of Ronald Acuna this year unless he drops to like five or six in the first round. Why? I'm scared. I don't, I I don't, I don't think that, you know, I need a guy, if I'm taking a guy that high, I need a guy that's going to play 150 games. And I just don't see him doing that. His health woes really concern me. He's a fantastic player. 
he's a 30-30 guy if he's healthy in his sleep, but I just don't know that he's healthy or that he can be healthy for a full season. Yeah, that was about five sentences. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> I'm Italian. What do you want from me? Austin Riley going at pick 21 over the past three weeks. In or out? Very big in. Yeah. Why? I think he's the. I think he's probably the third best third baseman in in fantasy, and you're going to see Jay Ram and Machado going in the first round. I think Austin Riley's a great consolation prize in the second round. Okay, Spencer Strider, twenty nine. I'm out at twenty nine on Spencer Strider. I don't know that he's going to be able to do what he did last year again. I think regression is a beast. Matt Olson, forty six. Matt Olson, 46. Love him. I think he's going to hit 35 home runs in his sleep. Yeah, yeah. And, and you get a player coming over in his second year, a little bit more comfortable in a new setting. I think we're Olson's definitely in for a huge year. And lastly, Ozzy Albies at pick 57. It's a tough one for me. His injuries were kind of freakish injuries. There are other second basemen that I prefer. I I've been getting a lot of Marcus Simeon. I, I much prefer him. But I think Albies at 57 is a really good price, especially if he gives you 20 home runs and steals 10 or 12 bases. I am a little worried about the base stealing with him a little bit. Okay. All right. Well, Mike, you did good. I didn't tell you we were going to do that segment. So well, in all fairness, like you did terrible with keeping it to one sentence. But next time. Wait, no, no, I disagree. The first time you cued me and said I did five. I think the next one I did maybe one, and then maybe I did three on Olsen. Sorry. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you were batting about 200 on that one. So you were you were like Joey Gallo level for this exercise. Yeah, but, uh, like $10 million this year, brother. And you're not. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to move on to – let's do our mental health minute because you look tired as hell. You We got to get you get you to bed. I think we we've covered the Braves pretty well here. So we got to include the mental health minute though. Tell me, Mike, what are you doing to keep yourself well right now? Well, tonight, what I did was uh, it was kind of a crazy day here. As you mentioned, I had some, the ambulance and the police department here multiple times today in our building, just to deal with some conflict behavior and dealing with some scary stuff. But Jack had orchestra performance tonight, a solo on solo piece that he was performing in front of a music teacher. And he got first division playing the cello. He's, he's year one playing cello. It's been somewhat painful at times, but our family, my daughter, Ellie, and uh, my wife, Katie, and I went there and supported him. And he was really excited when he was done. He was actually emotional and he cried because he'd been practicing really hard and learn and learning how to do it. Ellie's really good friend has been kind of teaching him on Friday nights. So I run from run home on Friday nights and pay her $10 to give my half hour lesson on the cello. And it's just goes to show that that hard work pays off. But what I'm doing, Chris, what that really means to me is like, I stopped doing what I was doing at work, even though I had several more hours of work to probably do to be able to do that with family. Because to me, uh, family comes first for everything. I tell my staff that on a daily basis, you do what you need to do. We do not get to repeat those times with our kids. My daughter is 16. My son is 12. Pretty soon they won't need me in the ways that they need me right now. So to be able to do that as a unit tonight 
and spend that hour together to me was like the panacea for my soul that I needed today because Monday and Tuesday were so God awful that I woke up <laughs> later on and thought it was Thursday, <laughs> you know, so it's just been a really long week. What are you doing, Chris? I'm, what are you doing to take care of yourself this week? Well, I'm going to piggyback off of that because I have a, a similar story. So this was now like a week and a half ago, but the idea of spending time with family and with kids and, you know, really just taking advantage of, of the, the time that we do have with them. I took my daughter, we did a, called Sophie daddy day. We used to, so like I was first couple of years of her life. Like I was the one who like primarily watched her, you know, mm-hmm. besides my mother-in-law and, and we would have our special like lunch dates. And, you know, it was like, we, we'd call it the Sophie daddy day and, you know, things just got like, I started working full time and, you know, that kind of went away. And, we started, we said one day we we're like, you know what? We haven't been doing Sophie daddy days. Like this need, this needs to be like a consistent thing. So we did our first one in a while the other day and just me and her went to Legoland and we had just awesome, awesome time. And, you know, and this just gets more into parenting, but really is so interesting. Like how, I mean, it was, it was really refreshing for me and I just, I loved spending time with her, but mm-hmm just seeing the difference in her mood after that day, just having that connection. Yeah. I'm telling you makes all kids wants to want to do is be with the parents, right? Like that's really, you could buy them, take them to, you know, Disneyland and spend thousands of dollars or get them the fanciest toys. None of that matters to kids in the end. All they want is your time and attention. So for any parents out there, any parents to be, by the way, big congrats to David Mendelson, who I don't know if you saw is expecting mm-hmm. not him, but his wife. <laughs> but, uh, you know, any parents out there, parents to be just remember that, like what your kids want is your time and attention. And I got to remind myself that, you know, yep. get off. We talked a few weeks ago about the phone. Get off the damn phone. Focus on your kids. It's, you know, it's going to benefit you. But most importantly, it's going to benefit them. So that. Uh, that's my little tip for the week here, but we're going to leave it there, Mike. Our next episode is going to be with the one and only Dave Sims. And we're going to be previewing the Seattle Mariners, talking with him. So uh, he's a play-by, for those of you who don't know, he's a play-by-play announcer on TV for the Mariners. So yeah, that is going to be, yeah, going to be an awesome, awesome episode. And hopefully we've got Carlos. He's a little bit under the weather. So Carlos, get well. And we look forward to you joining us in our our next one here. But for Carlos, for Mike, for me, thank you for listening to Fantasy Baseball Beat.